FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 51 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Minimal, and um, basically just going to give you a little bonus episode here. Um, just due to the fact that we added in the movie commentary for episode 50 and scheduling things like uh, vacations and getting Ethan ready to start school kind of made an, an executive decision to, you know, normally try to break up a month just because of the amount of content, but most of August is going to end up all in the same episode. <laughs> so to kind of balance that out a little bit, I'm going to uh, cover Infinity number one, and then uh, the latest Astonishing X-Men, kind of get a little bit of that out of the way, so the other regular August episode is not quite so full. And plus, you know, I figured, at least in Marvel's eyes, Infinity is a pretty big deal, so I should probably note uh, the beginning of it. So that'll kind of be the focus of this uh, bonus mini-sode, but um, we'll talk about a couple other things as well. So, at least one other thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk some comics. Alright, so the first thing we're going to talk about here is uh, Infinity number one. And of course, Infinity is the new... Well, actually, if you open up the first page, it says A Marvel Comics Event on a nice white page and light gray text. And, um, you know, we've been kind of leading up to this. We've had a couple of issues of the prelude to infinity that wolverine was in so we've, we've talked about on the podcast he's not in this one very much but he is in it and like i said marvel at least wants it to be a big deal i think it probably will be so i figured i should go ahead and at least touch on it probably won't go super in depth all right it's going to be written by jonathan hickman penciled by jim chung inks are by mark morales with john Wimsey. David Micus and Jim Chung. The colorist is Justin Ponsor. The letters are Chris Eliopoulos and Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by Adam Kubert and Laura Martin. And of course, there's some variants. Um, Arthur Adams and Pete Stegerwald did one. Inhak Lee did one. Marco Djurjevic. Scotty Young. Mark Brooks. And Jerome Pena also all did one. So this cover is pretty sweet. It has the Infinity kind of title. That's going to be kind of the banner across the crossover and the event. And kind of a neon blue. An electric blue. Electric boogaloo. But it's like a black kind of outer space background. And you have Thanos. And Hubert's Thanos looks pretty sweet. He draws a pretty mean Thanos. And, and the colors look good. It's a nice cover. So, basically, this is all kind of been leading out of everything Hickman has been doing on the multiple Avengers titles. And it's basically led down to uh, the Builders invading Earth on Thanos' behalf. So, anyway, we have kind of a, a cold open that looks like it's probably going to be, like, in the future. It doesn't specify that, which is interesting. 
Because normally uh, comic books will, will say something like that, but it definitely appears that we're looking maybe towards the end of something, and we're going to build up to get to this opening scene. It's basically, it's the Illuminati. It's the uh, Doctor Strange, Namor, Black Swan, Black Panther, Black Bolt, Mr. Fantastic, Black and Yellow Iron Man, and Beast. And apparently, uh, Black Panther has some machine. Maybe it's the ultimate nullifier. I don't remember what that looks like. It doesn't say. But he, he presses it, and we get a ginormous explosion. And you know what? It looks like there's some other planet hanging over the Earth. And Black Panther basically destroys it in a giant explosion, and the Earth is safe. I don't know if I'm... See, because I haven't been reading all the Avengers stuff, I don't know, and not the new Avengers at all, which focuses on these characters. I could be wrong about this being... This could be something that ties directly into that book, and I just don't know about it. So I would definitely admit that possibility. But it talks about how it was an Avengers world. It was the first of many. I don't really know what that means. So then we, uh, so this is basically broken up into chapters, and each chapter page is all white with a little planetary design. The first one is called the Tribute, and we see the Moon Titan. And we see these creatures, ugly-looking creatures, but Jim Chung makes them look really cool. They look kind of like alien, like there's no eyes and a long head, sharp teeth and nostrils, but they have four arms. They have sharp claws, and they're called outriders. They're not born, they're genetically engineered, they're parasites and assassins, and they must obey their creators. And so we see this guy that's kind of been ticketed as Thanos' right-hand man, and this outrider has come back with the news of success. He has defeated a world, or got a world to fall, whatever, but there's one world left. The master is pleased, but you have one more task. And he jumps back in his rocket ship that has like squid tentacles coming out the back instead of an engine <laughs> so i guess it swims through space and so the the outriders basically go to discover secrets and find worlds for the master to raise so we go to this planet all agulo which looks like saturn and basically the outrider was here and this guy um corvus glaive is the right hand man to thanos and he comes to remind this planet that they have been defeated and they want a tribute. So he goes back to Titan with the big box. He has a tribute. Thanos wants to see it. He says, show me. And he opens up as a bunch of tiny little heads from the race from not Saturn. Then we see Earth and we see the Outriders ship is entering the atmosphere and it turns invisible. And I really like the way Chung draws that. Where you see like just enough of the ship that you know it really can't be seen. But he shows it to us to kind of give it the outline and know that it's there. But it's definitely invisible. And so here we, we can get the Outrider looking. He's looking for something. Some secret he's trying to find. He goes to Avengers Tower. Nope, not there. Goes to the Jean Grey School. Which I like that Wolverine has a glass of whiskey. Looks like scotch on the rocks maybe. Um, but no, he can't find it there. He goes to a helicarrier and, like, sucks some memories out of a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Can't find it. So we get a break before our next chapter is has the cast. As the Illuminati, uh, three X-Men are going to be involved. Wolverine, Storm, and Kenny Pride. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Wolverine was listed as an X-Men in this book and not an Avenger. 
since he's also an Avenger and they're kind of the prime focus. But it, we also have the Builders um, and the different kind of levels they have. The Space Knights. I didn't know there was more than one, but I guess that's true. And they don't list all the Avengers and the Inhumans. And then kind of off to the side, we have Abigail Brand and Sword, Thanos, and the Scrolls. So our next chapter is Constructing Apocalypse. And there's some golden galaxy 60,000 light years away in the planet Galador. They have humanoid-type creatures, and the builders are destroying it. But the Space Knights fight back. There's even a reference to... um. Rom, I think, because he says, my father's father was a knight. And Captain Universe shows up to basically tell them their existence is over. And lo and behold, she's right. The Space Knights always prevail, but not this time, and everything goes white. Then our next chapter is Orbital, and we see the peak above Earth. They're on a bug hunt, they say. So we have uh, Captain America and Hawkeye show up. They're going to assist some sword agents and some shield agents. They basically bust this room and one of the agents flips on a machine and this table of four slobby guys eating pizza turns into... Oh, there's four slobby guys and a cat and they all turn into five scrolls. And they're like, they offer Captain America a slice of pizza, and he basically says, you want to do this easy or hard? And they choose hard, so we get a fight. And then suddenly, uh, Captain Universe shows up at the peak, and Agent Brand's like, oh, Captain America, you might want to see this. So they, they defeat the scrolls. Then the next chapter is what was hidden, now uncovered. And we go to Attilan, and we see that there, we, and we get some speeches or some conversation about the unrest between all the Inhumans. And then the Outrider finds Black Bolt, and he wants his secrets. He found the secret he's looking for about all the unrest and the Inhumans, and we get their history and kind of what the, what the politics and what's going on there. And he says, he finds secret, but not the one he seeks. He must dig deeper. He thinks he's on the right path. So he's going to go further into Black Bolt's subconscious. We go back to the peak, and we have Ex Nihilo, Captain America, and Iron Man talking about how Captain Universe gave like this warning and now she's here after she disappeared, but she's knocked out. Ex Nihilo says his mother will recover. Of course, the universe power spawned him, I guess. And then we see a look at all these transmissions from across all the galactic empires and whatnot, and they're all being attacked. And, uh... Ex Nilo says it looks like the Builders, but it shouldn't be. They shouldn't be doing this. And then um, we discover that they're on a path, and that path is right to Earth. Captain America looks very worried and also very old in this panel. Then we go back to Attilan, and I think the Outrider finds what he's looking for. He sees the Illuminati with the Infinity Gems. But suddenly the gems are lost, and the Illuminati's faces all turn to skulls. And he goes back further to an ancient inhuman king. But then it goes black and Black Bolt shows up and says, Get out of my mind! And this part's cool. We see him open his eye while he's sweeping. And he just reaches up and it looks very easy. Maybe it's not supposed to, but I kind of like the fact that it does. And he basically rips off one of the Outrider's arms with just ease. And the Outrider starts to escape. Apparently he can manipulate his body. He turns into smoke and gets past the Inhumans. Black Bolt stands up and grabs his wrist. And in a flash of light, his costume shows up. 
The Outriders try to escape. He's cutting his way through the Inhumans. Black Bolt gives Lockjaw, the giant bulldog, a sniff of the arm that he ripped off. And Lockjaw teleports him to where he is. I thought that was pretty cool. You can, like, sniff almost through time and space. Follow a trail. That, that was pretty sweet. So right as the Outrider is getting away, we get an awesome panel of Black Bolt unleashing his, like, I don't know, scream, his thunder scream he does, and pretty much rips the Outrider up. We see lots of uh, cellular uh, disintegration, but it doesn't kill him. And the Outrider falls down and lands with an invisible thump, and we see the inside of his cockpit as he opens the door and gets away on his ship. So the next chapter is Outbound, and we're at the peak with all of the Avengers that have been involved kind of in the story so far, minus Wolverine. And talk about how this is not good. All these empires sending distress signals. Smasher is a Shi'ar Imperial Guard. She says she's being called back to the homeworld. So that's a bad sign. That all the Imperial Guards are being called back to the Shi'ar homeworld. And Captain America asks Ex Nilo in the Abyss what the chances are. Ex Nilo kind of talks about Beast. He says, Captain, the measure, the measuring of probabilities is... And then Abyss steps in and says, The answer is none. If that fleet reaches this system, the next step in human evolution is extinction. So they decide they're going to take the fight to them. They're going to go into space and meet the builders head on. But Iron Man will stay behind. I guess he's tired of space adventures after his uh, solo book and his current stint in Guardian of the Galaxy. So he's going to stay home and work on a last-ditch defense in case the Avengers fail. But he tells Captain America not to fail. When? So the Avengers take off. Then we go back to Titan and we see the Outrider ship crashing into the planet. They're like, that can't be good news, but you need to tell us what we want to know. And he says, success. And then, uh... Corvus Glaive, whatever his name is, says, Your message was not ignored. Look up. There's not one Dreadlord here, but all five. The Black Order has assembled. Proxima Midnight, he has like a Galactus-type helmet, which is blue with white and black armor. Black Dwarf, he's a, just a tough-looking mother. The Ebony Maw, who's a thin white alien that looks like Death. Super Giant, who we don't get any perspective, so I don't know how big she is, but I'm guessing maybe she's a giant. And then he says, where? And he gets this big Joker smile. And the Outrider says, until in Earth, the inhuman king hides what Thanos seeks. He's like, good job. Do you want to be rewarded? He's like, yes. And so he gets he gets a death. He gets his head chopped off. His broken body, he no longer has to live. And so the guy asks Thanos, does it please you? And he says, no, Earth would please me. Everybody's like, that's a horrible idea. We always lose when we go to Earth. Like his little council is just like, no, 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 no. And Corvus Glaive says, yes, we know all that of Earth. But this, this is an Earth more favorable than a custom. And Earth changed. We have word of discord in the house and human and schism between the mutant schools. So I thought that was cool. Kind of reference that everything in the Marvel Universe. Kind of, it led to House of M, then it led to AVX and Schism. Like, everything just kind of, the whole Marvel Universe just keeps building and building and building into this fever pitch that doesn't slow down. But now, brothers and sisters, the best news of all, because Earth, you see, she has no Avengers. And we get our last full-page spread of Thanos with a giant grin. And to be continued. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, a nice start to the event. 
before we just get into all-out like space battle is a really good setup I thought. I'm a little confused because the books, the Avenger books prior to this, the prelude to Infinity, ended with all these Black Order guys showing up on Earth. And now they're saying we're gonna go to Earth. The hero, the Avengers have already left to go to space. But when the Black Order show up on Earth in the end of New Avengers, the last issue, they are witnessed by the Avengers. So it seems like some of this is a little bit out of order and that kind of bugs me. I'm gonna look here. So maybe I'm wrong. Because the Illuminati are not in this team that's going to go on the mission. So I think they're the ones that witness the Black Order's arrival. So I guess this kind of takes place between the last few pages of the last issue of New Avengers. So the Avengers are off into space. And that's what they're going to do. So the art was great. I thought the writing was pretty good. Still not real sure what's going on in the intro. But I'm sure that will either be revealed or I'll just have to look it up on Wikipedia. Or maybe I'll go get some trades of the new Avengers stuff. I don't know. Probably not. But I might. Um, but yeah. That was pretty good. Pretty nice little kickoff to the event. We'll see where it goes. I'm going to give uh, Infinity number one a really strong two out of three claws. Uh, definitely kind of see where it goes. But I thought it was, it was a good start. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely, besides having two from the podcast, we'll definitely read a little more and, and interested to see where it goes. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to give Infinity number one two out of three claws. All right. So kind of quickly want to go over uh, Astonishing X-Men number 65, which wraps up the current kind of Age of Ice <laughs> storyline. This is written by Marjorie Liu. Art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Colors by Chris Peter. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by Phil Noto. And we kind of go back to awesome Phil Noto covers on this issue. I like it a lot. It's just a blank blue background. And it's got like ice angel like flying up on an ice spire. And he's got kind of Thor like almost on a headlock kind of and and parts of Thor covered in ice and he's dropping the hammer which is icy it's a really really nice cover looks pretty cool all right so remember last time you know Iceman's trying to turn the world into a big ice ball he has of course the death seed in him from apocalypse but towards the end while he was fighting the x-men mystique got the death seed and so now apocalypse mystique is fighting the x-men but the world is still icy (laughs) Like that uh, Warbird is trying to break Wolverine out of a block of ice, of course, because he was frozen. So Mystique is going power hungry, but the X-Men can't really do anything to her. And she's kind of going super, like, stretchy, kind of like Apocalypse has before. And, of course, she's also a shapeshifter, so it, it augments her powers also. So, yeah, she's like, I have the power of Apocalypse. And then behind her, we see, like, almost like a sun. And it turns out it was Thor, because we get a crack of boom as she's struck by a series of lightning blasts. And Thor walks up and says, Enough! There will be no apocalypse. No Ragnarok. There will be no more death except your own. And the art is pretty good in this book, but Thor looks super stiff in this panel. Uh, But Mystique says, No god power can compare to mine, you stupid, stupid piece of... And Kitty is phased into her chest and grabbed the destiny and she's pulling it out. But she's struggling and then she gets pulled underground. And Mystique also gets pulled under the ice and Thor, and then the X-Men, and they pop up, 
somewhere else <laughs> on an ice plane, and Warbird is going into, she's going cataconic. Of course, remember she's cold-blooded, or maybe you don't remember. I, I kind of forgotten that, too. But since the Shi'ar race are bird-like, she is cold-blooded, and so being pulled through all that ice for what looks like may have been kind of a long time, and they've really done a number on her. And we see Bobby talking to his therapist, and we figure out that the mystery therapist is one of the Iceman doubles, but he's not icy. So is this all in his head? Or has, or can the ice doubles he makes turn human? That'd be scary. Anyway, basically he's talking about, he's trying to figure out why he hates his dad so much. And we see the ice doubles, or one of them comes after Opal, and they argue some more about how worthless he is. And we get a lot of insight into Iceman's psychology, about how his insecurities that he sees all authority as his father, and that's why he hates authority. And Xavier, Wolverine, even in the entire team itself, authority becomes your father, a man you spent your whole life trying to please. New jokes, action, but nothing was never good enough, not even you. So basically, Iceman can never be happy. It's kind of what we're getting at. And we see him confront Mystique. I really like the way Walton draws Iceman. And when he adds the little ice angel wings on, it looks really, really cool. So then one of the Icemen come to find the X-Men. And Warbird says, we can't win, but we won't give up. And Iceman's like, I'm a god. You can't do anything to me. And Deathbird says, your power was always great, but it was your even greater restraint that made you, in my eyes, a magnificent warrior. But you corrupted everything with your ego. You sullied your power. So I will fight you, Bobby. I will fight you to honor the man you were and to honor myself. So Warbird uh, sticking it to him and speaking some truth, dropping some truth bombs on him. And Kitty shows up and says, so will I. And then Iceman says, he is, he's kind of a dick here. He says... Kitty, don't pretend you ever cared for me anyway. And then Kitty kind of gives it to him also and says, you don't have a monopoly on shit. We've all been through shit, so quit your bitching. <laughs> That's the abridged version. So then we get a giant ice monster. We always get a Godzilla type fight. He tries to squash the X-Men and he punches them into the ground with the ice fist. And then we see the ice fist is stopped and is lifted up by the ice angel. And the ice angel flies up towards the ice monster and gets knocked down. And he decides, all right, F this. And he grows into a giant ice angel to fight the giant ice demon. These panels look amazing. The, the Walter art. And the Peter colors are very well in tandem here. And the, the way the paneling is laid out, just a great two pages here that look really good. And basically, the ice giants fight and blow up, and Bobby is just back to Bobby. And we see the world start to thaw out. Um, everybody leaves. Wolverine tells Bobby that he should tell them all these women. <laughs> Remember, because all his ex-girlfriends have been gathered. Wolverine says he really owe them an explanation or at least a goodbye. And Bobby says... He turns around and says, I know. He says, so what now? You can't put me in jail. I don't think you're stupid enough to try to kill me. And Wolverine says, suppose not. I guess that just leaves one option. Bobby says, you're crazy. You really want me on the team again? And Wolverine says, you're going to be a problem again? And Bobby says he doesn't know that he was a better villain than he was a hero. And that, you know, and Wolverine tries to say, that wasn't you. That was a death seed. You weren't being powerful or a man. You were being a moron. Being a fool. And Iceman's like, not helping. 
And Wolverine says, all right, well, tell me what you feel. And Iceman says, nothing. But I don't want to be a killer. I don't know what I feel, but I don't want to kill people. And Wolverine says, well, we got to keep an eye on you, so you got to stick around the school. And Bobby basically says, you couldn't just, you can't stop me if I hadn't stopped myself. Basically says, if I turn evil again, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do all this again. You can't do anything about it. And Kitty's like, you rubbing it in or warning us? And Wolverine excuses himself. Uh, Kitty says she hid the Death Seed where no one will ever find it. Of course, we know that's never true in comic books. <laughs> Bobby says you can't destroy the Death Seed. And Kitty says, I don't want to talk about that. I can't. Not with you. You understand why, I hope. And she asks how he's doing. And he says it's weird to be flesh and not ice. And he doesn't know who he is anymore. He says, I liked being a monster. I felt better when I was free. And he starts to cry as Kitty walks off. So he's distancing himself so okay that was a a good ending uh the art again walter's art really really fits this story really well um the writing was pretty good the dialogue was good it's a good end of the story the only, the only thing i'm a little weary of and i'm trying to push this out of my mind and just read the story for what it is but if you've been listening to this long at all you know i can't really do that very well so we know now if you haven't heard yet uh an additional spoiler to the normal spoilers. Astonishing X-Men is ending to make way for Amazing X-Men. I don't know what any of these uh, creators are doing. Like, I don't know what if Lou's going to write something else that hasn't been announced. Uh, where Walt is going to go. He was touted by Marvel as one of the new hot artists. So I'm assuming he'll show up somewhere. But that said, there's only a few issues left for Lou to wrap up this her kind of overall, what she wants her legacy to be on Astonishing X-Men. And the thing is, Bobby is still very involved. I don't know where this falls in the timeline, but Iceman is super involved in Wolverine and the X-Men um, with Battle and the Atom coming up. And the thing is, none of this darkness has bled over to that story yet. Over there, he's still pretty happy-go-lucky, and him and Kitty, I mean, in the last issue of Wolverine and the X-Men, they were making, er, sorry, in the last issue of all new X-Men, they were making out. So they look pretty happy still. So my, my fear... See, I don't really know really if I'm afraid or not. My suspicion is that this story is going to be mostly ignored as far as X-Men continuity in the immediate future. Uh, Maybe someone will come back around to it later, but it doesn't look like there's much room in what's going on in the Bendis and Jason Aaron X books for this development in Iceman. Could be wrong. It might happen, but Iceman seems to be more (laughs) struggle-free in a... Jason Aaron and Bendis's view. So I don't know if I think that's good or bad. This was a good story, but I like Iceman having like insecurities. But I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, um, I'm gonna give Astonishing X Men number sixty-five. Uh, we'll give it two out of three claws, and we'll just see where it goes. All right. Cool. Okay, so that's that for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the little uh, bonus appetizer episode for uh, August. <laughs> Actually, really just Infinity Plus One. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, so let's get out of here. Um, up next, depending on when this comes out, uh, should be probably one of the Digital Wolverine episodes. So, um, of course, as always, please leave an iTunes review. That helps the show out. And we have, like, one... <laughs> And it's Denise, so it doesn't really count. Um, Also, you can like us on Facebook. Please do. You can either search for the podcast that goes snicked, or the URL is facebook.com slash 
Snicked Podcast fan page. Uh, Twitter, we're at Snickcast. You can email uh, questions or thoughts to snickcast at yahoo.com. Or if you want to go to the actual website and see show notes and stuff like that, it's snickcast.podbean.com. All right, well, everybody have a good day, night, whatever. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.